0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. Well, we've been in this series we simply call call Filter, and we keep coming back to this concept that our perception of life is shaped. It just is shaped by, by whatever filter we look through. We just can't help it. There's just going to be these there. So what we need to do to counteract it is to to be conscious of it and make sure we're using the proper filter. In week one, we talked from the very beginning that Jesus should be our paradigm for life. Jesus should be what we look through. When we look through the Jesus filter, all of a sudden everything shifts. We have this amazing Wizard of Oz moment where things go from black and white to technicolor, and we begin to see things the way they're supposed to be, and and everything makes this huge shift, and we begin to really be able to engage with God and with each other in the way we're supposed to. Why? Because our hurts, and our disappointments, and the, the ways of the world, and all of these other things, our unrealistic expectations, our, our places where, where we have just been, things have been modeled for us wrong, come in and create these unhealthy filters. And it's important that we recognize this because then we will embrace one of the main things God is doing in our lives. When we recognize that we need a Savior, we need a Savior. Amen. We were stuck. We couldn't be good enough. This other concept of religion about doing all the stuff right to try to undo all the bad stuff we were jacked over that doesn't work and we were stuck and we needed a savior and god loved us and he sent his son and when we believe that he did it all and there was nothing we could do to add to it or to take away from it that it was 100 jesus then we when we place our faith in that we step over from death to life and at that moment we are heaven ready but at that moment we also still need some transformation And that's what we've been looking at. And let's look at Romans 12 too. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now remember, he's talking to believers. He's not standing on the street corner and hollering at everybody that he thinks is living their lives wrong. And saying, Hey, you outsiders of the kingdom, you people who need to understand who Jesus is and embrace that first. That's why we preach the gospel. preach the good news that God loves you. That's the good news. God loves you, and he's done it all. And then that begins to come in and to revolutionize our lives, and our minds begin to be renewed, and we begin to learn how big that salvation is, that heaven is just a part of it, that it it exceeds and it goes beyond, and we learn how big it is and, and how big this thing is, that we love God and love others, and our minds begin to shift. And our minds are renewed. And that's when the transformation in our lives takes place. And then we're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We can't make make a decision or a judgment on what God's will is without our minds being renewed. We'll look through it from a broken lens and we'll say, oh wow, God's will for my life ain't that good. I don't want that. That doesn't line up with the way I feel like I'm made and I'm designed. That goes contrary. I have these other things in my life. I have these other things I want, these things, and somehow this will of God it, it, it's, it, it's, just not, it's just not for me. Well, if your mind hasn't been renewed, you can't even weigh in on it. You can't even make a decision on whether or not his way really is the best way because you're looking through a broken, selfish lens. Amen. That's the way. We look at it, and the problem is, is we don't fully understand all the dynamics of this world that we live in and operate. We have some understandings of it, but we feel like we ought to be able to step into new and greater things, but we try to do it from our own little experience. Now, years ago, man, I had, I had always wanted to fly and wanted to learn to fly, and, and um, you know, I wanted to, to create and to, to fly on my own. So I can't be the only person who got some old cardboard boxes and some duct tape and tried to make some wings so I can sit there and fly. Because, of course, you know, all you need is wings. That's it. You just need wings, and all of a sudden, you can fly. Well, as a 10-year-old boy, I didn't understand the principles of aerodynamics. Then you need some speed to create some, some lift. You need a proper design. It's not just this flat thing sticking out there. I didn't understand all of those things, and so, consequently, thank goodness I didn't understand that you really needed some real speed because that kept me from breaking anything. Because I was a little bit afraid. You'd have those ki- that kid down the street that would jump off his own roof. That kid was crazy. He was a YouTube sensation waiting to happen. He was ahead of his time, and so. And there was that kid, but I was not that kid. I'd climb up on the roof and climb the tree and get up there, but I was climbing back down the tree. I was not jumping up. That, that was not happening. And so make the wings, but I know I need to get up into the air. The whole running around the backyard, nothing happened. So nothing happened with that. So my dad was a welder at the time, so he had his welding truck in the backyard. And so the welded truck and then had the, the, the all the, the stuff the boxes and the, the 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 lincoln there I know some of you are Miller guys some of you are Lincoln guys I get it just Lincoln and got up on there and I was, that was as high as I was willing to jump so I get off I get my wings I get up on top of my dad's uh, welded down he'd he'd have yelled at me if he'd have seen me up there and I sit there and I, I bail off and then I fly no I did not fly because I did not understand what all was at play in this I had this desire to step out in, in a place of ignorance and could not bring and put all of the pieces together now later in life when I got my pilot's license and learned some principles of aerodynamics and you figure out in a, in a hurry you want to keep your speed up All of a sudden you start hearing that little buzz or that little stall warning horn. All of a sudden you're slowing down too much and your airplane is about to fall out of the sky. Then everything within you wants to just pull back and keep looking up. I'm falling. But what you need to do is nose over and get a little more speed. Sometimes the right thing to do feels completely like the the thing you don't want to do at all. And that's the reason we need... The Spirit of God. Come on. Because He understands how we're built, He understands how we're made. He has wisdom that goes beyond anything we can understand. He understands all the intricacies. Anybody ever make the mistake of think of running out of cascade and grabbing the uh, palm olive from the sink? She made that little mistake. Dishwashing soap is dishwashing soap, right? No. You stick that stuff in the dishwasher and all of a sudden you got a foam factory. <laughs> all of a sudden that stuff, we had foam we had coming out of the button cracks. <laughs> Nowadays everything's electric, but you had the old school cuckoo buttons. they was in there and there was foam there was coming out of the button cracks. There was foam coming out everywhere. You open up that dishwasher and you look in and it was just a wall of white. You couldn't even see the dishes in there. I've taking the right thing, and I put it in the wrong place. There's nothing wrong with that dishwasher shelf. It can get dishes washed if you did it by hand in the sink. This is why we need the Spirit of God. Amen. We'll take one experience and stick it into the wrong place. We need God to separate from us are the simple good in life and give us moving forward i love that this scripture we've been looking at is, is has god's will not just his good will not just his pleasing will but his perfect will amen second corinthians 1:12 says now this is our boast our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity we have done so relying not on worldly wisdom but on god's grace we've interacted with you not based on worldly wisdom but based on god's The way of the world will sit there and get things off face. It'll sit there and take you in an unhealthy direction. All of a sudden, you have somebody that offends you or says something you don't like. And what do you do? You come back right at it. And why is it that when somebody offends us, we want to offend them back? We're not liking being offended. We don't like it, but immediately somebody's hurt us. We don't like being hurt. And our initial gut reaction is hurt your back. Amen. Take something that we, we don't even want ourselves and to pour it, pour it back on someone else. The natural reaction to things is just so many times the wrong reaction to things. And this is why we have to be willing to put our own opinions to subject to what the Word of God says. Yes, God's given you a brain. Yes, God's given you the ability to, to think and to react and to take life experience and put things together. But we have to take all of that and put that at the feet of God and let his word be our guide Amen. in everything. In any place where our own opinions, our own stuff come into contact with that and are push back, we let God's word be what we hold on to. His wisdom knows better. My grandfather told tell a lot of Papa stories, and and my Papa's got a lot of stories. He just, it just stuff just kind of follows him around sometimes. And, and I was, my Papa was working for the county, Andrews County, and had to take a load of pipe in this little flatbed truck, and had to take it out to this place and unload it and dump the dump the pipe off. The problem was his Papa was not the one that loaded the trucks. So, all the pipe is laid in there, and it looks like everything's just laid out just right. But this is old scrap junk pipe. So, he's out there working by himself, pulling a pipe off, throwing it aside, yanking a pipe off, throwing it aside, yanking a pipe off, throwing it aside. Well, he grabs a pipe that was longer than the other pipes and had been bent to fit in the back of that truck. And then he doesn't realize that, and he grabs that pipe and yanks with the other end of that pipe. Is right there, and my papa knocks himself out. <laughs> Grab that boom, hits himself in the head, knocks himself out, and is out there laying in this field, this place, for a little while. When he finally comes to, bleeding. Well, the thing is, is so many times we can roll along in life, when we have to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And this time it's fine, and this time things are good, and with this thing. But we need someone who understands. You know what? There's a consequence. On the other side of that decision, you can't see. And that's where we have the Holy Spirit to come in and to guide us and to bring us wisdom. How many of us have sit there and done something we thought was just fine? And we find ourselves knocked out in life over a decision we made. We needed someone to come in and to bring some wisdom into that and to help us to avoid some of the pitfalls of life the wisdom of God has to be our filter it has to be our filter James 3:17 says but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace loving considerate submissive full of mercy good fruit impartial and sincere if you're wondering what to do in a situation you want to try to discern what is God's wisdom in this thing, you can come over here and begin to say, and just begin to ask the Spirit of God, I'm wanting to go in this direction. Lord, help me to see if this is, first of all, pure. Are my motives in making this decision pure? Am I making this decision to line up with loving you and loving someone else? Or somehow, is there something else at work and I tell you what, the people that we are the best at deceiving is ourselves. Amen. Self-deception <laughs> is the deception we practice the most. We can tell ourselves our motives are right. We can tell ourselves, oh, this is, I'm, I'm doing this out of a pure heart. And when we finally get quiet, the Holy Spirit says, mm. no, you're making that decision to get back to soul and so. You're making that decision to give yourself a little leg up at at the expense of someone else. You're making that decision because you don't trust me. And you're not willing to let me handle this. We need to let the Spirit of God come in and say, Lord, is it first of all pure? Am I peace-loving in this? Am I being considerate to everyone else involved? Am I being submissive? Is there this place of rebellion? Is there an authority that's at work here that I'm trying to cut around and, and, and do an end around with them? Am I being full of mercy? Is there someplace I feel 100% in the right to do something, and I'm doing it just because I think I have the right? <laughs> on I operating in a place of mercy? Do I think there's going to be good fruit coming? Is there a place of partiality? Unless I sincere. See, wisdom is God's grace for us to choose life. He wants us to make life-giving decisions. 1 Corinthians 2, 12-13 says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world. Remember, we're not going to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. (laughs) What we've received is not the spirit of the world. But the Spirit who is from God. Why do we need this? Why? Paul's real clear. So that we may understand what God has freely given us. Amen. Freely given us. In these areas when we have relational tension and we need wisdom on how to deal with that, that awkward relationship. God has freely given us a path to be able to, to at the end of that thing, know that we acted in a loving and healthy way. Whether they respond that way or not. That we don't have to hang our heads and walk away and go, man, I wish I'd have said that different. I wish I'd have responded different. Man, I still want to do over on that thing. We don't have to do that. doesn't mean they're going to respond Right. This isn't a little manipulation tool so we can control the other people in our lives. What this does is lets us walk in a place where we look back that we set ourselves up for God's best as much as we have control in these areas of our relationship. In the areas where we need wisdom in our finances. In the place when we need wisdom in our health and with our physical bodies. Understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. We need God's wisdom because there are spiritual realities we don't have a clue about. There are decisions that have consequences that if we don't take the Bible, the world will tell us that decision has no consequences. Do whatever you want. But your life, live it. You know what? In the United States of America, you have freedom to make really stupid decisions. But it gives you the freedom to make really good ones, too. That's what freedom does. But what we want is we want wisdom. We want wisdom from God to step into a place where we understand and able to, to embrace all of the goodness that God has for us. Paul goes on to say in First Corinthians 10, 23, where he is refuting this argument where people are bowing up about responding in a loving way to their other brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's kind of going back and forth, and he throws up their argument. Their argument here in quotes, he says, I, that, <clears throat> that he's quoting them. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do this. He's not saying, no, you don't. So many times what we want to do is simply boil things down in, in this little checklist of can I or can't I? Can I or can't I? When is that what we're called to be led by? No. We're called to be led by love. Amen. We're called to look and see is this loving towards God and this loving towards others. So many times in given situations there's a there's a permissible choice. It's nobody's gonna say, Wow, you're the biggest sinner on the planet choosing that. But when it's all said and done, it's not, it's not the most beneficial choice. It's not the most life-giving choice. It's not the one that's going to help the other people in your life. I love it that the Spirit of God is taking things and not boiling things up down to some simple thou shalt and thou shalt not. Why? Because we should begin to hide behind those things. But when we let love guide us, Love begins to answer all sorts of things, complex, messy, squishy situations. God has called us into the places in dealing with people's pain and dealing with people's frustrations and dealing with people's hurts. That things are absolutely messed up and complex, and the wisdom of God is able to go into this situation and bring life there. In places where we were like, I don't even know how to walk that place. I don't even know how to step into that. I want a little rule book that says this and this. When God calls us into these uncomfortable places to just love people and help point them to Christ and and help them to, to embrace the fact that his love is enough. If they will let themselves be loved by God, that love will change everything. Is it beneficial? I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructed. See, this very next verse that we're about to get into is, is now frames this. So so many times, like, is it beneficial? Is it constructed? What, what is the tension here? It seems super loose. Verse 24, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. I'm not supposed to seek my own good. You know how much I'd be taken advantage of? You know how much all these different things would happen? Okay? Well, let's just relax here. Let's take all of that self-focus on that concept and let's just look at this from God's perspective and Him leading us in there. Okay? Now just for a second, we're going to just we're gonna ignore the rest of the world and we're just gonna think about us in this room and Tina. Okay. And we're going to think, okay, what if you and I decided that we're not going to look out after our own good? But we're going to look out after the good of every other person in this, in this room and then Tina. How much more good is going to come into your life? How much more good is going to come into your life? with every other set of eyes, brains, resources, connections, looking out for your good than just you looking out for your good? How much more? You're like, well, I'd do it if everybody else would do it. That sounds awesome. Life would get better if everybody else would do it. And you're that, you're that thing where you're, you're like, you're there with your buddy's going to jump off the thing. You're like, are we going together? I don't know. Are we going together? And you're always afraid that you're going to be the only one that jumps. Here's where trusting God comes in. Where we decide individually, not as a group, individually. That if God says living this way is our highest and best life, just and am I going to be taken advantage of now and again? Yep. Am I going to be looking out after somebody else good and they're looking out after their own good too? Yep. But as we begin to connect and we begin to do this, I'm telling you the beautiful thing is the grace of God comes in and makes up the gaps. And the, when everything, all the dust settles, I'm telling you, you'll see that it is a better way to live. It is a better way to live. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is one of my favorite scriptures, especially as a father and a husband and a pastor, because so many times we can be slow to want to ask for help and ask wisdom. So let's just be honest. Most of the time, we want, we need wisdom when we've already tried our way and it didn't work. Right? Amen. And almost always, that's when it dawns on us. I kind of did something stupid here. I tried my way and it got me into a problem. Okay? And so we're super intimidated to then begin to ask for help when we know we made the problem ourselves. Because what's the first thing that we expect from someone else who has the wisdom to do? You're you're the, you're the reason for this. You're the problem. And so our shame and our fear of rebuke and rejection and all this stuff conditions us to create a problem and quietly try to sort it out ourselves. And if we think one another is going to deal with each other that way, then all of a sudden we take that and we project that on our Father God. And we go, all right, God, I got myself into this mess. Go ahead. Let me have it. Tell me I'm stupid. Get on to me. Tell me what a sorry Christian I am. If I'd have really been a decent Christ Christ, I wouldn't even got myself here to begin with. Go ahead, tell me, God. that's not what he wants to do at all. That's not his response at all. James, if if there was going to be something harsh, a little pointed, pokey, difficult to hear, it shows up in James. (laughs) This guy is blunt. You want to sit there and and read something that just gets on you? James will do it. And James, this is the guy who's willing to go, you're an idiot. and here he is he's the one that tells us if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault Amen. God's not up there going hmm So now you need me now you need me remember that time I was kind of poking at you and saying hey why don't you you pray about this Why why don't you make this decision why don't you slow your roll on that a little bit remember how I was saying that oh no 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 You didn't want to listen to me then. Why want to listen to me now? He did not do that to us. He did not do that to us at all. He gives us the wisdom we need. I hope that if you walk away with nothing else this morning, if you walk away with nothing else, I want to stuck deep down in your heart that when you find yourself at a place where you have run full bore with your own wisdom and your own ways and looking out after your own self and you've dug yourself a hole, in whatever front, with a relationship, with your finances, with a job, with whatever, with a habit, with any of those different things, and a light comes on, I need God. Amen. Turn to right then. He's not going to rebuke you. He's not going to give you the, the the beat down. He's mm-hmm. not going to raise you over the cold. No, we're Seriously, we're here again. He's not going to do that. His word promises us that he's going to give us the wisdom we need. He's going to do it. Why? Because he loves you and he's for you. If you don't get that piece down, you can't interact with God at all. That's why we look at the at the Jesus lens from the very beginning. If You want to know if God loves you? You look at Jesus. He loved you so much he sent Jesus. So based on that, we interact with God in a whole new way. Let's begin to round this up. We need to understand that the greatest hurdle to our choosing God's wisdom is our own selfish desire. So many times we want to take this whole life in Christ and, and utilize it to our benefit. God wants it, our benefit, but he doesn't want us going around looking at everything just from our own selfish perspective. That's why I said "Don't one should look after your own good but the good of others. James goes on to say in, in chapter three, says, "But if you harbor bitter and envy, if you harbor bitter envy and self, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven. It's earthly, unspiritual and demonic." It's a pretty big word. It's, just, it's messed up. Amen. man it is going to bring about what the what the, the very pit of hell would have for our lives for when for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you have disorder in every evil practice in our families when things get out of whack we have selfishness selfish ambition This this place of of envy, of us looking out at somebody else's and wishing we had, and all of a sudden looking at ours and saying, man, you don't measure up. We do that with our spouses. We can do that with our homes. We can do that with our jobs. We can do that in all, all sorts of places. People wonder about how inside church life, that churches can get off the rails so quick. Amen. That all of a sudden the church can turn into and it hurts people and does stuff and i'm sorry that it, it happens it does but guess what it says wherever envy and selfish ambition exists evil all these evil practices find their way in there it doesn't just mean oh down at down at the street corner down at city hall down in washington down in all these places where envy and selfish ambition exist down at, at the place that the drug house on the other side of town, all of that. No, it's wherever it is. This envy and selfish ambition invite all sorts of stuff in, even in church life. Amen. So what do we do? We don't look after our own needs. We look after the good of others and ask God for his wisdom. And then we come back to verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, <laughs> full of mercy, good, fruit, impartial, and sincere. We talked a few weeks ago about real Boy and him not willing to listen to the elders and the people who uh, who understood. And he had to take a little bit of a place of serving serving the country first, and he pushed back, and it ripped apart Israel. Ripped apart Israel for good. Because the real rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young man who had grown up with him and who were serving him. And it ended up in utter destruction. See, even Jesus, even Jesus grew on this front. We have Luke two fifty-two, and it says, and Jesus grew. This is the boy Jesus. It says, Winding up chapter two, we just finished telling a, Luke just finished telling about Jesus' encounter there and about a twelve-year-old boy in, in, the, in the temple. And and this finishes that thought. It says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. See, choosing wisdom means choosing Jesus. He's been made wisdom for us and he shows us how to be wise. First Corinthians 1 It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Matthew 7 says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock." Why do we need the wisdom of God? Because the rains are going to fall, and the wind is going to blow. It's going to. So many times we say, God, I purpose to do it your way. Why are the rains falling and the winds blowing? I thought you loved me out here. Why are the stuff of life happening? His love comes in and gives us that firm foundation to deal with things when the storms come and the winds blow. Amen. So that we can be there in a, in a secure place in him. Hebrews 4. 14 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. Was Jesus tempted to lie? Yes. In every way, like we are. Was Jesus tempted in the area of sexual immorality? Yes. He was tempted in every way, like we are. Was he tempted to, to ignore God's way and go his own way? Yes, Amen. he was, but he did not. So many times we think just because some little tempt- temptation comes along, that all of a sudden that that means failure in and of itself, and it does not. We see Jesus tempted in the desert. We see the scriptures tell us that Jesus is tempted every way, but without sin. He empowers us to choose life no matter what the other things are thrown at us. So in light of this, oh, I love this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need folks when is your time of need it is now your time of need is in that ugly moment that ugly moment where you you would go God if you could turn your back for a second and not look at this that's your time of need that's when we need to turn to God The drug addict who's sitting there and holding the needle in his hand. God says, turn to me in your time of need. The husband who's sitting there about to send that text to that lady he should not be sending to. That is when he cries out to God because that is his time of need. That person who's just about to cheat on their business partner and dabble in a little bit of embezzlement, do this, do that. Their time of need is right then. We find ourselves in our lowest moments. And the word tells us we can come to God in that. Our lives will never take a new trajectory unless we invite God into all of it. Amen. So many times we want to invite God into the, the pretty little places. God, look at me a Sunday morning and got my Bible and singing your songs. I want you to be right here with me in this. When life change only happens. When we say, God, i got to go to work tomorrow. And you know what I think about my boss. And you know what I've said about him behind the back. And you know I've built a culture of backbiting and tearing this person down. God, I need you. I need to respond in a different way. God, help me in my time of need. Lord, I'm off work. And I'm about to step into my house. And I know that if some little things off, I'm going to rip into my kid. I'm going to rip into my spouse. I'm going to say things that I'm going to regret. God, help me in my time of need. God, help me in my time of need. Give me wisdom. Give me a new way to live. But I'm telling you, He will. Our minds get renewed, our lives get transformed when we invite him into those places. He's not going to carry you down. He's not going to rebuke you. I dare you. I dare you to audibly pray to him in those moments. Bring him in. Embrace his presence and the strength that he gives. I'm telling you, you're going to see life change like you never thought. Our bottom line today is the lens of God's wisdom enables us to choose life in every area of life. See, looking through the lens of Jesus allows us to see life. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.